Welcome to the Confidence in You podcast, designed to help you build confidence and create positive, lasting change in your life. And here's your host, Helen Luxford. Hi there. Just a quick note before today's episode that we recorded this on video. So if you would like to watch the interview, please head across to my YouTube channel, Hammer Luxford, where you'll be able to see the interview with Amanda Kate. Otherwise, just keep listening now and here comes today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Amanda Kate joining us today, and I'm so excited to be sharing some time with Amanda. Amanda Kate is a kinesiologist, mentor, mother, and so much more. Author of Divine Messy Human, a spiritual guide to prioritizing internal truth over external influence. She released the book with information, tips, and practices that have helped her move from self-loathing to self-acceptance self-love and self-empowerment. A recovering people pleaser and self-flagellator, she walks the path of straddling the divine and the messy daily, always growing, developing and learning new ways of being to hopefully one day leave the earth better than she found it. Amanda Kate helps people to regain their vitality, smashing through their internal glass ceiling and limitations to find new levels of health, vitality and abundance. She also works with business owners to increase their vibration and attract greater wealth and prosperity. Amanda Kate lives in Melbourne, Australia with her twin flame, her children, his children, and a dog named Zeus, who you may see on today's podcast. (laughs) So let's welcome Kate to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Kate. Thanks so much for having me, Helen. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about your journey, your background and where you've come from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I uh, had a pretty normal upbringing, really. It was, you know, white, Church of England, middle class. Um, You know, mum used to make a lot of our clothes. We had a lot of the Janome specials and, um, you know, dad went out to work and we always had that support of mum being at home. So it was a pretty, you know, I guess, standard upbringing. We were heavily influenced by the church, um, which does, you know, create a few little growing up conditioning programs that you don't notice until you're out of that. Um, I, you know, did the university and then I went on my working holiday visa and spent, ended up spending 11 years in the UK because I met um, my ex-husband, had two children over there. And I always joke that I left there, you know, I left Australia with a backpack and a suit bag and I came back with a 40 foot container, a husband and two children. So... (laughs) It was, it was a, a definite um, <laughs> strange investment um, and certainly not expected at the time. But, um, yeah, so I spent 11 years in the UK. There was um, five years in London and six years in Hertfordshire where I had both of my children and for the most part loved it um, but always missed Australia. My ex-husband then was made redundant, so we came out to Australia um, given that opportunity and moved to Melbourne. 
Um, my family are in Adelaide, so it was, um, you know, it was a bit of a shift moving again to another place where we knew nobody and no support and all the rest of it. So although that was that part of it was new for him because he'd been close to his family in the UK, um, I hadn't had that support for quite some time. So it was exhausting starting again, again and again and again. Um, but we moved to Melbourne and um, I just started getting really, really unwell. Um, I ended up with chronic fatigue. I was needing three hour naps in the afternoon, like just nothing was working to get me better. Um, and that started me on this journey where I found kinesiology, where I found all of, I guess, that spiritual development as well as the personal and professional development, which has been an incredible journey. Um, and you know, I look back to, I think it'll be 11 years in, in Melbourne this year. And I look at that last certainly 10 of those and I could not have foreseen where I am now back then. So it's been incredible, hard. I certainly haven't ever taken the easy route, I don't think. Um, but yeah, absolutely just incredible where I've ended up. Yeah, it's amazing where our life can take us, isn't it? Oh yeah, very much so. So things that we just never, ever foresaw in our future and then all of a sudden we're there and we look back and we think, wow, where, where did we come from? How did we get here? But it's a journey yeah. that, you know, we we're meant to take. So what led or inspired you to become an entrepreneur and do what you do? To be honest, the focus wasn't being an entrepreneur. Um, I had my first kinesiology session after, you know, a, a time in my life that was quite traumatic. Um, I felt like an absolute empty shell of a human being. I felt completely and utterly broken. Um, I was basically wondering what the point of me even living was. Um, and to be honest, I don't know anyone that I've met who has done kinesiology who hasn't gotten there through some kind of trauma. Um, and my main aim when I was doing it was just to help other people, to be of service, to hopefully support people in a way that meant that they didn't fall in as deep dark holes as I did so that they could live a more healthy vital life the entrepreneurial stuff I guess developed as the business developed and it's still developing and changing and you know as I gain more skills as I do more study I am the eternal sage always learning and teaching and finding their new things to learn um, and that part of it is what's actually developing the entrepreneurial journey so I sort of I guess I did it the other way around I didn't go in thinking I'm going to be a businesswoman and I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to support other people in their entrepreneurial journeys it kind of happened through me wanting to help other people move through trauma more gracefully and more effortlessly than I did um so yeah it kind of happened the, the flip side round <laughs> so when we, when we're in those um dark places because mm -hmm. everyone has their ups and downs in life that is just the peaks and the troughs of life how do you keep going how do you find confidence or um um clarity in that in that cloud um to help you continue to move forward I think that's a beautiful question because it is so nuanced and multi-layered. Um, and I think when I first started on the journey, I couldn't do it without support. I simply couldn't. I didn't have the internal resources um, 
And I didn't have the support in my regular everyday life either. So I needed professional support to help me on that. Um, obviously then when I was studying, I was, you know, getting balanced a lot at school as well as balancing others, as well as seeing my own, you know, so I was doing a lot of that work constantly. Um, and that gave me the support that I needed now that I've, I've been on the journey for quite some time. It's a real mix of, of tools and techniques that I've learned, um, grounding a lot of time in nature. I find if I'm not in nature every day, I'm, I'm, I can't function actually, quite frankly. So I walk my dog about seven kilometers on the beach every morning, um, rain, hail, shine. Um, I go cold water swimming, uh, four to five days a week. Um, I also move my body, you know, daily. And that's, that's basically bare minimum type stuff for me. If I don't make my dog walk for one reason or another, I'm just not the same person. I need that connection to nature to refuel me. And so I guess there's the baseline practices, making sure I drink enough water, making sure I'm fueling my body properly, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually as well. So I guess I've put in a lot of scaffolding to keep me on a relatively even keel. Now, in those times where, where there are dips, because let's face it, we're all human. And as, as my book title says, we're, it's divinely messy, this, <laughs> this whole path. It's about, um, I guess, one of two things. The first thing I ask myself is, is this something I can handle on my own? Is this something that upping my self-care, that upping my spiritual practices, that increasing, you know, my time in nature, all of that kind of thing will fix? Or is this something that I need a third-party opinion on? You know, am I too close to it to see it for what it is? Sometimes we need that person who is is coming in from an objective standpoint to go, you know what, you're face down in this and you're too close to see what's actually going on. And in that sense, I have, you know, what I kind of consider my first aid toolkit of, you know, kinesiologists, I've got a reflexologist, I've got a massage therapist, I've got um, an acupuncturist. I've got all of these different modalities that I then go, okay, you know, I basically ask the universe and say, give me an answer. Who do I need to speak to? Yeah. And I'll ring up and I'll make an appointment. You can guarantee within two or three days I'll be in with the person because they'll have had a cancellation or they'll have, you know, they'll just be that divine space that's opened up for me. So often that's the way I work things. Um, it's, it's, It's discerning which of those two paths is is the right one for me to take for the problem that I'm in. The other thing I've found is that, you know, the longer I've done the work, it's like now my little dark nights and my blips are intense, but much shorter. So the things that it used to take me, you know, four, six, eight weeks to work through and to come to terms with, I'm now doing in 12, 24, you know, hours sort of thing. So it's also, you know, in terms of that spiritual practice, because I am practicing like we do at the gym or, you know, to, to get good at anything, if we're practicing those skills, you know, it, it's giving me those more honed muscles so that when I'm in those situations, I can navigate them differently than I could have, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Um, last week, my podcast was on emotional fitness, Mm. And that was exactly what I spoke about. We look at our external environment. We look at how we 
how we look to others, how our physical appearance is. And we go to the gym or we go to Pilates or we go for a walk or we do whatever we do or we go and buy a new outfit um, to make ourselves look good on the outside. But that emotional fitness on the inside and on our journeys, and, you know, we've, we've all had our journeys that um, when we practice being able to respond to different situations, we build that muscle. So that emotional well-being muscle uh, yeah. you know we've built and so the way we do respond instead of it taking weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to get over something we can tap into our internal resources but seek that external help and support mm. uh, quickly rather yes. than wallowing and then getting into that really 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 downward spiral before we ask for help so that's what I took from that answer yeah. so thank you we could kind of liken it to, let's say, the Tour de France cycling. They have their support crew, right? Okay. And so if they have a blowout and a tyre, bang, it's fixed, or the Formula One racing team, you know, they have their support crew. So um, I'm, I'm the same as you. I have people around me. I have physios and um, energy healers and mm. uh, Reiki healers and all of those sort of things. So now when I feel myself in that situation similar to you, I can look to, well, who do I need to go to? Um, yeah. And sometimes you just ask the universe, well, you ring up and you can't get into that one and you can't get into that one, then all of a sudden... Yeah, the right one opens up. Into, the right one opens up. Yep. So thank you for sharing that because I think it's really important that we recognise and understand that it is a, it is a journey and it is building that, um, that toolkit to be able yeah. to, to tap into. You've done a lot in your life and going overseas with a backpack and coming back with a 40-foot container, a couple <laughs> of kids and a husband uh, is, is one thing. And um, also when you said you had chronic fatigue, some people experience these things and they and they struggle with them for years and years and years. What would you say has been your biggest challenge in life today? It could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be work, it could be anything, but what was your biggest challenge and how did you get through it or overcome it? And what did you learn from them? Um, I guess the chronic fatigue would be one of the biggest life-changing um, challenges. And because there were some days I was just going, I, I'm not, I'm not going to make it through this, you know. Um, I found that a lot of the chronic fatigue was created through unhealthy, toxic relationships. Um, including my marriage. And that was phenomenal because that really started to build my understanding of how vital a healthy emotional landscape is, mm -hmm. having healthy relationships, having strong boundaries, being self-loving instead of self-loathing yeah. was phenomenal because I had so many unhealthy patterns through my conditioning through my, I guess, or through societal influences, let's put it that way. And the chronic fatigue, I had to navigate life differently. I had no choice. I couldn't keep my life going the way it was going. I would do an hour's workout in the morning and I would still be exhausted at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. It was, it was debilitating at times. And it, I had to change my diet. 
I had to get off gluten. I had to get off dairy. Um, now, even now, I have effects. So if I push myself too hard, I feel the same heaviness in my body that I used to have with my chronic fatigue. It is my first sign that things are not going so well and I'm pushing too hard. I will also start with insomnia. So I get into that wired and tired state of my adrenal system where I'm exhausted, but I cannot sleep. So they're my first two real telltale signs. So even now, you know, I started with those symptoms back in 2013. So even now, nine years later, I still have to manage my energetic outputs, my emotional health, my spiritual health, all of those different aspects of myself to be able to navigate life healthily. So I've actually just done another um, sensitivity test and pork products have come up. So unfortunately, bacon, roast pork, some oh. of my favorites. I know I'm gutted, um, but also eggs and a, and a couple of other things. Oh. And so I'm now working on eliminating those. Now, they are sort of in the moderate sensitivity category. So, you know, we'll see how I go with that. Um, I may occasionally because it's awesome, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, so again, I'm making these changes and I'm not making them because they're fun and enjoyable. I'm making them because I have to. And so what the chronic fatigue has done is it has made me have to love myself deeply. It has made me have to have strong boundaries. It has made me more emotionally resilient, more physically resilient. It has given me a depth of understanding and knowledge within my body that I couldn't have even dreamed of before. It makes me make healthy choices in my relationships. If I'm not energetically gelling with somebody, it it needs to change or it needs to be eliminated from my life. I cannot do um, fake top shelf relationships anymore. You know, it can't be those top level ones. It can't be fake. If it's not real, I can't, I actually can't do it. Energetically, I feel exhausted being around those people who can't have a real true heartfelt connection and those people who i are who i am connected to like that i walk away from feeling nourished and nurtured and loved and i don't really remember having too many of those relationships earlier in my life where i felt truly seen and heard and understood and loved but then because i wasn't doing that for myself i wasn't able to let that in either yeah and so I guess that's been the biggest challenge and, and the learnings coming from it are still coming. You know, how I manage my business, how I manage my workload, how I manage, you know, even doing the podcast interviews or writing the books or doing my networking. Everything has to be aligned with my values, with my heart, with my soul, with my energetic outputs. And if it's not a gel, it needs to go. So it's really created strong boundaries. So when you first started recognising and understanding all of these things, Mm. because you have clearly evolved into um, someone who does self-love and self-respect and you are now able to see things for what they are and make those choices to not have those people in your life early on. Mm. But how did you navigate when you recognised and acknowledged that you had toxic relationships in your life because this is a really hard thing for a lot of people is to walk Mm. away from long-term relationships or family or close friends or whoever it might be how did you navigate that journey because that's I think a lot of our listeners Mm. will be like wow I'm 
I'm relating to some of that or all of that or, oh, my God, that is me. Yeah. But they can't see a way forward. They can't see a way out. They're fearful. They're scared. They're worried. Mm. How did you navigate? How did you get that strength to make those decisions? For me, there, I wasn't really given a choice, to be honest. There wasn't a, because my physical health was being so poorly affected by it, I didn't really have too much of a choice. Now, I've been through a lot of grief with the relationships and, and finding the right ways to navigate that grief and the right people to help you navigate that grief is vital in that. It has been managing the boundaries, so learning when to speak up and getting it wrong, being okay to get it wrong. There were a few people who I kept putting myself in the way of, close people that I did not want to let go of because of the history, because of what our relationship used to be. And so I kept putting myself in the way and I actually realised how abusive some of those relationships were. And... I knew that's not the life I want. So yeah, it's challenging. And a lot of the time I'm a bit of a runner anyway. My my first stress response is to flight. <laughs> so I'm a runner. So if what I would basically do is just stop contact. I disappear off the face of the earth. And because I just go, do I really need that energy in my life? So I am a bit of a cut and run person that's how I ended up in the UK um you know it was an extreme form of running away now I'm I'm much better at facing it and having the conversation so I will often almost journal the conversation before I have it take I've taken notes into conversations before so that I could stay on track um because I needed to get some stuff off my chest or, or have a make sure that I didn't get sidetracked by all of those other things that come into conversations, all the tangents yeah. that we go down. Um, and I guess it's through the first bit was me developing a relationship with myself. It was me learning to love myself because I did hate myself. I went through a period where I would see myself in a mirror and I would want to smash the mirror. I did not want to catch sight of myself because I hated myself that much. And that is very strong wording because that's how it was. Wow. Now, the chronic fatigue made me have to start loving myself because I realised I actually did want to live. I wanted to see my children grow up. I wanted to see them thrive. And they were not going to thrive with a mother who was the way I was. I was snappy, I was short-tempered, I was in a toxic marriage, I was constantly being um, uh, put down, let's put it that way, trying to find the right way to put that. And I needed to find a different way to navigate life. It came from my relationship with myself first. And then I looked at the external relationships. And I have people in my clinic now um, who are going, I don't think that person's very healthy for me. So I literally get them to sort of make a list. Okay, give me the pros and give me the cons. Now, one lady has just put in a whole heap of boundaries around the, the conditions of certain relationships because she loves the fact that there is the longevity there. Yeah. You know, but that's okay for her. She can deal with this negative toxic person in her life because for her the payoff is greater 
than the negativity. And so there's some of the boundaries in you said. Yeah. 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 She's had to. Yeah. to be able to keep that relationship because she values the longevity of it. And so there are different ways that we can navigate and it really does depend relationship to relationship to relationship. Yeah. Um, and and cutting off some of those, you know, I guess the, the check-in conversations or the, the conversations that just never go well. Um, I, had, I had somebody who used to ring me and, you know, we could be on the phone for an hour and a half and they'd never ask me any questions. It was just all about them. I could have put the phone down and walked away. And so I just stopped taking the call because I went, do I really have an hour and a half to be spoken at about somebody else's shitty life? You know, how do I want to expend my energy? I've got a certain amount of it. Where do I need it to go? Yeah. So there's a lot of different, um, again, every relationship will have the different nuances, but the biggest things will be putting in boundaries. What is acceptable to me? And what are some of the, the conditions that I am prepared to accept potentially to keep the relationship going? And what is just simply a flat no? And do I then have to deal with the grief on losing that relationship? Yeah. So the podcast is about confidence and self-esteem yeah. because that's the I believe that's the foundation of how we interact with ourselves and the world. And you've touched on so many beautiful things in, in a, like the hard things, but you've touched on yeah. them beautifully is what I was trying to say, in that we have to recognise if something's an issue for us before we can do anything about it. And because societal norms and these expectations are upon us because it's what's expected, that, oh, you can't possibly not talk to that family member or you can't possibly not have that person in your life. You've known them for 10 years, 20 years, however long it is, right? But if they're not lifting you up and filling up your cup and they're constantly putting you down and I have clients where, oh, no, 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 you know, I can't possibly let go of that person because... Mm -hmm they've been with me all my life. Like I've known them for such a long time. But when they talk about this person, all they do is put them down, but in a fun way. Oh, I'm just joking. You know, and those comments that, is, that mm. are cutting and, and that goes to our self-esteem and yeah. it does dwindle our confidence. And then we feel not worthy and not good enough. And then that self-loathing and that self-hate come in. And so with my clients, similar to yours is, let's stop and do the list of the pros and the cons. What is that relationship bringing to me in a positive and a not so positive way? And then with awareness comes choice. So if they are aware now, like that lady, your client, she can put boundaries in place. Um, But if we're not aware, we can't do anything about it. So thank you for sharing that story. That's um, I think a lot of people can, can relate to that. And the one with your client Boundaries are really important Um, Mm. and I talk to my clients about when they put boundaries in with their children, if their children are not doing things that they expect or want or, you know, need them to do and then what are the hard boundaries and what are the soft boundaries? Mm. And, you know, with children it can be a little bit different, like put your toys away or put your dirty clothes in the washing or make your bed or whatever age they're at, Mm. age-appropriate stuff. Uh, With relationships, though, quite often acknowledging that it is unhealthy is quite scary oh yeah but did you find that once you had the courage and made the decision 
to stop taking the call or to leave your husband or to do whatever did you find that well how did you find that is probably the question what what were you feeling at the time I was I think I was quite blessed because at the time I was um I was I'd thrown myself into my kinesiology study so I think 2016 was a you know I was going once a month but in 2017 I did the equivalent of 26 weekends at school so I started my advanced diploma when I was doing my diploma I also did all these advanced courses I did another um, modality which is called TBM I threw myself into my study and so that was almost my distraction from the trauma I was going through at the time now then 2018 I backed off of a lot of that personal development because I had shifted so much during 2017 I was almost exhausted again and needed needed a bit of time to embody the changes and that was probably the loneliest year of my life and what I did was I kept focused on what type of people do I want to draw into my life what types of friends do I want what types of relationships do I want um how do I want my life to look and I started crafting that and I'd I'd imagine it I would imagine the friendships I would visualize my relationship And one by one, because I'd cleared so many people out, there was actually space for those new people to come in. And some of them had been standing around the edges and just didn't have an access point, I guess. And then as soon as all these other people got, you know, pushed out into further circles, they had the space to come through for me. And it was gradual and there was a lot of loneliness that I needed to navigate which again puts you into you know i'm a shitty person or i'm not good enough or all of those sorts of things but my desire to create a life that i loved was greater than my ability to abuse myself with all of those old thought patterns of lack and not good enough and all of those old negative self-talk things that i had and that was my constant reminder what are you creating here what do you want to show your children and i ask that question for my clients a lot are you living a life that you would be happy for your children to live that's a very powerful question it is huge and i didn't realize how huge until i'd asked a few clients and seeing their reactions because most people actually answer with no and they'll say why are you living that life then why are you in that relationship why are you working in that job why are you putting up with those bullshit friendships if you would not want your children to be living that life because we want better for our children we want our children to thrive we want our children to be happy we want to see our children in loving reciprocal relationships whether they be romantic relationships or friendships we want to see them living the best possible life and yet we often don't do that for ourselves yeah And that has kept me on track as well with the partner that I am with. Yeah, we're human. Of course, we have arguments, but my children see the argument and they're not scared by the arguing anymore because they know because I've had conversations with them that my partner and I resolve our issues and they'll often be there for the resolution. And I'll go, you know what, that argument came because I've been overworking myself. I'm tired. I don't have a lot left in the tank. You know, he's been working. So they get a bit of an explanation. They're seeing the way that we navigate those conflicts. 
Yeah. And they're seeing the resolution at the end. Now, in, you know, my past relationship, there was never any resolution, which is why there was so so much toxicity because nothing was ever resolved. It was constant compromise, which means that one person is always losing and it does tend to be the same person that tends to lose. And this is where I go with, I am not in a relationship anymore where I will ever compromise because that always means there's a loser. There is somebody not getting what they need and want. Instead, we want to come to an understanding or an agreement, even if we don't see eye to eye. Okay, that's how you feel and this is how I feel. And can we be okay with that? And that's okay because we have different views on the world. Exactly, exactly. But it's still a resolution because we've had enough of a conversation to go, okay, I can accept where you're at. If you can accept where I'm at, cool, awesome, let's move on. So it's actually, like I said, it's just very, very different dancing in this way and navigating life in this way because... I do look at everything I'm doing. Would I want my children to be doing this? Would I would I be happy to see them in this type of relationship or in this type of work or having the challenges that I'm having? You seem to be very much in touch with um, your body and the heaviness mm. that comes and, and those early warning signs um, and also very in tune with now your relationships and how to um, engage with others mm. And, and as life goes on, we are never always going to agree and life would be a very boring place if we did all agree, it would be all same, same. So different views are welcomed and acknowledged and we don't always have to agree. But when you just walk away arguing and don't have a resolution, that that space, that conflict is just always there and then naturally, you know, they want to come back and, and someone has lost or both have lost. Yeah, okay. both of us because no one got a resolution and and there was no engagement or understanding from each other's side. Now, I know with my husband and I, when we have difference of opinions because we're both very strong-willed, <laughs> um, that just being able to see it from their perspective and say, okay, yep, I get where you're coming from. I don't agree with it, but yeah, I get where yeah. you're coming from and I can appreciate that, mm, yep. um, you know, particularly with football uh, <laughs> uh, and things like that. But but it's acknowledging and feeling valued and heard and seen mm. and you don't have to agree with me. You no. just have to acknowledge and hear and value my opinion on that thing. Makes a massive, massive difference. Absolutely. Um, but, and again, coming back to what do you want for your children or the person closest to you, would you want them to be living the life you're living is such a powerful question, mm. such a powerful question. So thank you for sharing all of that. You've clearly done a lot of work on yourself. Um, you know, there's a book called Do the Work. So uh, <laughs> what's a book you'd recommend or your favourite app or resource that you love that has helped you or does help you when you're um, in a tough time? So a book or an app or something, a resource of any Oh, look, I am such an avid reader, although I've taken a bit of a break from it this year because my mind was getting a little bit much. Um, I love all Brené Brown's work on shame and vulnerability. Um, I think she puts it in such an accessible way Um, and it, a lot of that stuff is what we learn in kinesiology, but I love the language she puts 
to it because it does make it so accessible for people. Mm. Um, so, and I love her podcast as well, Dare to Lead and Unlocking Us. Um, I, to be honest, most of the spiritual development type books I've been, I've been loving and reading and devouring. Um, I'm doing a lot of reality transurfing at the moment, um, which is an incredible book. It's actually an audio book as well. Um, and a lot of the quantum energy stuff as well. So I love a happy pocket full of money. And, um, but again, going back to, you know, I guess more traditional texts, I love the prophet and the alchemist as well. So yeah. yeah, lots of different ones. Lots yeah, of different there's ones. So, there's so much out there. And, and then they continue. There's there's new books like your book. Um, mm. there's new books coming out that just give us a different perspective yeah. on life. Yeah. And how we don't have to be perfect. And actually no one's perfect. There is no such thing as perfection yeah. because if you chase perfection, you get there and you're not happy, you're chasing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So I love Divine Messy because that is life. That is yeah. just who we are. And in your bio, you say that you hope to leave the world a better place. So what is, um, in terms of a legacy, what is the mark you'd like to leave on the world or how would you like to be remembered? Um, I'll go with the first answer that comes in is I don't actually mind if I'm remembered or not. What for me matters is that people have learned some of the stuff that I've learned, whether it be from me or whether it be from other people, and they then go and spread that to people that they know. It's more about the ripple effect of influencing those people you can um, and then having those go out and influence others. So it's it's starting the drop in the ocean. It's starting, you know, the, the stone in the pond and and being a creator of ripples and wanting people to aim to just be the best version of themselves that they can be to get to love themselves deeply and start trusting their internal truth. Yeah. Really tapping in. Yeah. And I think in the short time that I've known you, um, you definitely have that ripple effect. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the legacy is, is already there and I'm sure it will only continue to grow. So just before we finish, is there one piece of advice that you could give to someone who might be struggling at the moment with self-love, self-esteem, self-care? What would be the one thing, one piece of advice you could give them? It would be to firstly find a healer of whatever modality a facilitator, I don't like calling myself a healer, but a facilitator, whether it be a coach or a kinesiologist or a hypnotherapist or a whatever, somebody that they trust that they, and by the way, you can ring people first. You don't just need to book an appointment, ring, have a conversation, see if you gel with them. Because if you have a a facilitator, a healer, whatever you want to call them that you trust, you are going to allow them in more. You are going to allow yourself to be more vulnerable, feeling securely held. So my my advice is to interview the therapists and the healers that you use before you go to them. We spend more time deciding what shoes we're going to buy than the people that we are trusting our spiritual development with, which I find insane. People will just ring and go, yeah, I've got an appointment. Great. I'll go see them. 
do your research and don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to say to them, you know, I, I don't think we're working out. Have you got somebody else that you could recommend? See who feels good. Try it on um, and try different things. So both developing the internal resources and having those trusted external resources to lean on. For me, that is the vital mix. Yeah, and I think that is such good advice in that when we are struggling, we do need some, some external help. I mean, I know I've had in the past, I, you reach out and and it's amazing. And sometimes when I've had coaching or hypno or um, counselling or whatever it might be, I've had someone that just asks such a simple question and you're like, oh, I can't. Mm. You can't see it when you're in the fog. So I think that's really important getting external help. And I agree with you. Just find someone. Yep. Any of those modalities, just find someone that you connect with and click with. And that interviewing, I think, is vitally, vitally important as well. Mm-hmm. And all good facilitators, practitioners, therapists, whatever they want to call themselves, will allow you to have a 15-minute or 30-minute chat because you, you are going to open up to this person you need to connect yeah. with them and trust them. So that is a wonderful piece of advice um, to share with our yeah. listeners. Thank you. And that kind of brings us to the end today. It's been so wonderful speaking with you, Amanda. Uh, you've shared some wonderful, wonderful things. So where can people find you if they want more? Um, the best place is to go to my website, which is www.amandakate.com.au. I am on all the social media platforms. So um, I'm most active on uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and now starting on TikTok as well. So just having a bit of fun with it. Um, I do have some stuff on LinkedIn and, but, you know, again, there's only so much time. So most of those can be found from my website anyway. Great. And we will put all of those links in the show notes as well. So you can just click on the bottom of the podcast and you'll have all of those links there. So again, thank you very much for spending some time with us today. And we hope to see your wonderful work continue. Thank you so much. Thank you very, very much. Bye for now. And thank you for listening to the Confidence New Podcast. Follow Helen on Instagram, HelenLuxford100. On Facebook, Helen Luxford Coaching and Hypnosis, and on YouTube, Helen Luxford. And access more free resources on Helen's website, www.helenluxford.com. Music, Sunbeam, by purpleplanet.com.